Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms of Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Good. Mandy, we forgot the bells again. Uh, oh, my goodness. How could we forget the bells? Well, I know how. It's just been a very busy week. I'm sorry. Bells took a back seat this week. <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a shirt. Bells take a back seat this week. Um, <laughs> I get it, but it's funny. As soon as you said, hey, guys, I was like, we forgot the bells. <laughs> we forgot like, the jingle like a, bells. We yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, um, things are heating up. No, they're not. They're cooling down. Um, <laughs> but things are heating up. Life is heating up, right? It's getting busy. We've been talking about this. Everything is in overdrive right now. Yes, it is. We are on the complete march to Christmas, and my kids are very excited. I'm excited. I love Christmas, but then I also feel like it comes up so fast, and I just wish I could enjoy it more. So I'm trying to this year. I'm trying to enjoy the days leading up to Christmas so that I actually feel like I got something out of it this year. (laughs) I appreciate my kids being consistent with the things they want for Christmas. That would be really helpful if whenever I say, so when you say you want this, is this what you mean? And they're like, no, no, no. That was last week. <laughs> what I'm thinking now is I'm like, what? No, stop. This is on sale this week. Please. For oh, Santa. yeah. Yeah. No, my kids have done that to me. And now I have two brand new pairs of shoes that are um, supposed to be Christmas presents. And they have now told me they want different shoes instead. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, crap. I have to take these shoes back and I have to go get the right <laughs> shoes. And yeah, so it's 
It's fun. It's fun. It is. Yeah. So, well, well, it'll be here before we know it. We'll enjoy it, right? Yes. We will. Yes. I always do. I love Christmas. Yeah. It'll be fun. We're starting to decorate tomorrow. Are you already decorated? I feel like you're decorated. No, I, you're not. No, no. I normally would be decorated, um, but I don't know what happened. I didn't have a chance <laughs> to do it this past weekend, and um, now we won't be in town this next weekend, and then I am going out of town the following weekend to see my family in New York, so I have no idea. I'm sure we'll get around to it when we get around to it. You know I'm not going to not decorate, so. No, I can't imagine. Just... If, you, if you ever told me you weren't decorating for the holidays this year, I would – consider that like a point a of making yeah an intervention I wouldn't know what for but I'd be like we have to stage an intervention something, something. is not right yeah <laughs> yeah no I will be you know I always get a real tree I love doing that so um, I am looking forward to doing that you're soon. such a good I just mom. don't know when I have a fake one I don't care for oh, the needles I do not, not do it, it for them mm. I don't do it for them I do it for me <laughs> oh well I don't even like myself that much so I'm like no I'm just gonna <laughs> It's fine. I know it's not real. I can pretend it's real. I can look at somebody's pictures on Instagram and pretend that's my tree, but I'll know. I'll know. Just, yeah, just light, just light an evergreen I'll look at yours. and you'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right, Melissa, are you ready to get into the episode this week? Let's do it. All right. So today's episode covers a topic that many of us probably haven't given much thought to, but it is one that is sure to make you think. Registries for sex offenders have been around for as long as most of us can remember. Several states actually began requiring those convicted of sex crimes to be listed on a public registry in the 1940s, and by the 1990s, most states had started creating them. Today, all 50 states are actually federally required to maintain a registry of some kind, and there's limited powers given to each state regarding exactly who must register and for how long they have to be on the registry. In the early 90s, a case involving the abduction of an 11-year-old boy led Congress to pass the Jacob Wetterling Crimes Against Children and Sexually Violent Offender Registration Act. And while this act did require states to maintain sex offender registries, it did not require for them to be made completely public. And this has been a debatable issue ever since then. On one hand, some believe that public registries are a necessity to protect public safety and to prevent further crimes. But on the other hand, having a name, face, and home address publicly available leaves people vulnerable to what can best be described as vigilante justice. The story this week has a little bit of a Dexter-esque feel to it. It's the concept of a killer who only kills people that themselves have done atrocious things. And as we all know from Dexter, it makes for a fantastic TV series. But this is real life, and that's not exactly how any of this works. The saying, two wrongs don't make a right, comes to mind here. And of course, that's putting it in the simplest of terms. But really, nobody should be taking these kind of matters into their own hands. It was 3 o'clock in the morning on April 16, 2006, when Janice Gray was awakened by the sound of her dogs barking. Her husband, 57-year-old Joseph Gray, was asleep on the couch in the living room after watching forensic files all night, but he was really unfazed by the noise and he just stayed asleep. Janice got up from her bed and went out to see that one of the dogs was staring out the window. And when Janice looked outside, she saw a man standing strangely close to their house. So she runs up to wake up her husband, Joseph, but just as soon as he comes to, the man outside fired a gun through the window, hitting Joseph twice. Joseph collapsed in Janice's arms and died moments later as the shooter ran to his car and drove away. 
Five hours later, about 25 miles south of where Joseph was shot, another man was also shot dead in his home. At 8.15 that morning, 24-year-old William Elliott answered a knock at his door, only to be met with immediate gunfire that continued even after he collapsed. William's girlfriend, who was inside and witnessed the shooting, ran outside as the shooter was fleeing and took down the license plate number of the car as it sped off. Although these two victims had no connection to each other, they did have one thing in common. Both of these men were listed on the main sex offender registry, and both of them became the target of a man named Stephen Marshall. Stephen Marshall was born on August 9, 1985 in Fort Worth, Texas, to parents Margaret and Ralph. He was a pretty happy and content child. When he was around three years old, Stephen and his family moved to Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, in Canada. But in the summer of 1993, his parents separated and he went to live with his grandparents in Arizona. His mom and his sister moved down to Arizona shortly after that in the fall of the same year, while his dad, Ralph, stayed in Canada. In 1996 and 97, Stephen attended Malcolm Monroe Middle School, where he really started struggling with his peers. In March of 1997, Stephen's mom removed him from the school after several bullying incidents, and some of Stephen's friends really just said that they were outcasts and that they got picked on a lot. But Stephen's father said that it went really beyond bullying. He was Stephen was really getting seriously hurt to the point even of being hospitalized, which I can't imagine that kind of school yeah. environment. That's crazy. In the summer or fall of 1999, Stephen moved to cul-de-sac Idaho to live with his dad, um, who was at the time working as executive director of the Clearwater Economic Development Corporation. Ralph was also serving as a voluntary mayor. Stephen attended grades 9, 10, and 11 in cul-de-sac, and he didn't see his mom again for four years. In 2000, Stephen, who was now 14, started his own website, and it featured a lot of really interesting content. He had links to what he considered, quote, the sweetest weapons that you can find anywhere. And it was just links to pictures of these weapons. And weapons was something that Stephen was really interested in. His dad had introduced him to guns at a very young age, and Stephen really took a liking to them. And this continued throughout his life. Stephen and his dad often went to gun shows together and really just spent time bonding over guns. On Stephen's website, he had a list of personal dislikes, which include, quote, minorities getting special treatment, men who don't keep their women in line, asthma, which is something that he uh, was afflicted with, women in general. This is on the list of his personal dislikes. I, I the mean, <laughs> I know you said the asthma is something he dealt with, but asthma in the middle of all of these is just right. blows my mind. Me too. Yeah. So he also dislikes the beautiful people, his job, cleaning, school, society, the disgusting commercialization of our daily lives, the economic system, capitalism, but he said it will do for now. <laughs> he doesn't like <laughs> he doesn't like rich people, the United Nations, a world government, the feds, the man and his rules, civil oppression, and the Patriot Act of 2001. So he has a very long list of things he just does not like. <laughs> I'm I'm almost confused on what is not on this list. Yeah, yeah, it's a very um thorough and comprehensive list. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Wow, that's just that's terrible, but it says a lot about where his mind is at because this is that's a lot of things to hate. Absolutely, yeah. So he did have a list of favorite things, though, um, to kind of counterbalance this list of dislikes. And on his list of favorites, he had things that 
were also very interesting, like links to a satirical website. And one of the links was for how to spot a pedophile. And he also had different links to gun pages and other things that are really awful that I don't even want to mention. Yeah. Stephen had a blog on this website. And according to Prison Legal News, he used this blog to target people that he did not like. This included gay people, minorities, and women, of course. He had one section titled, quote, How to Kill Yourself Like a Man, and he discussed suicide techniques on this blog. Obviously, I don't even have to state how alarming these things are for anyone to be interested in, but especially a teenager, you know, there's clearly something he needs help at this point. It's very, uh, the signs are obviously there that he needs, he needs some kind of intervention. Right. In 2001, Stephen started a clique with his friends. They named it Slackers Coalition in Arms, and their, quote, main goal was to provide advice for protecting yourself from the tyrannical educational institution, end quote. I just don't, aren't they in high school at this point? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that I use the word coalition at all in my everyday (laughs) life, and definitely not in high school. But the idea was really they basically did just the least amount of work possible to pass during school. Like they weren't (laughs) to have a coalition. Right. They weren't doing a whole lot. Also in 2001, Stephen's friend and classmate, Chris Peterson Jr., was convicted of molesting a minor. He was sentenced to counseling and he was given probation. Stephen and his friends often had these conversations about how child sex offenders were worthless and quote unquote worse than killers. On April 24, 2001, 15-year-old Stephen used an AR-15 to threaten a teenager named Nathan Tyler, who was fighting with Stephen's friend on the front lawn of Stephen's dad's home in cul-de-sac. Nathan Tyler told police he'd had issues with Stephen in the past. They'd actually gotten into a fistfight previously. And so Nathan and Stephen's parents had met to try to figure out how to fix this situation. On April 24th, Nathan's walking from his house past Stephen's house, and he's headed to tennis practice at the high school. When he passes Stephen's house, this classmate named Chris comes out and squirts Nathan with a small water gun. Nathan asks him to stop, but Chris keeps squirting him a few more times. Nathan then grabs Chris and puts him in a headlock and throws Chris to the ground. Stephen, who's on his porch, starts yelling, let him go, in a very serious voice. When Nathan looks up, he sees Stephen in the doorway with an AR-15. So Nathan lets go of Chris, and he keeps walking. There was a neighbor nearby that called police, and Stephen told them that the gun hadn't been loaded, and he never pointed the gun at Nathan. He said he was simply protecting Chris and his home. Stephen was then charged with felony aggravated assault, and in July, he was given six months of probation, ordered to attend Hunter's Safety, and write an apology in a five-page paper on teen violence. In August of 2001, Stephen underwent a mental health evaluation as part of his probation. Dr. James Phillips found that, quote, Mr. Marshall's responses do suggest he often somewhat is questioning of authority and distrusting of the motivation of others. He is likely to be quite introspective and calculating in his actions, end quote. Dr. Phillips then concluded that, quote, no significant psychopathology is present that would have any impact on Mr. Marshall's ability to comply with the conditions of his informal adjustment or contribute to the likelihood of his commitment of future crimes, end quote. So in June of 2002, cul-de-sac city maintenance supervisor Chris Peterson Sr., who is that father of Stephen's friend Chris Peterson Jr., the one that had been convicted of uh, molesting a minor back in 2001, 
the dad was actually arrested for sexually abusing two minors. Yeah. So Chris Sr. pleads guilty to two counts of lewd and lascivious conduct with a child and was sentenced to 30 years. And there's so much more to this story, and we will get right back to it after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. If you're still stuck on what to get someone for the holidays this year, give the gift that everyone will love. Give the gift of StoryWorth. If you aren't familiar with StoryWorth, it's an online service that helps your loved ones share both stories and answers to thought-provoking questions about their lives. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved ones different story prompts, and they simply respond to the email with their answer. It's that easy. At the end of the year, you'll have an amazing keepsake that will be enjoyed for generations to come. My father-in-law is a great storyteller, so last year we gifted him with StoryWorth. I have thoroughly enjoyed reading some of his answers throughout the year, everything from how he and my mother-in-law met to his first job and even advice that his parents had given to him. At the end of this year, StoryWorth will compile all of his stories along with photos into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped to him for free. I plan to buy additional copies for our kids and for my niece to have. There are so many things I wish I had asked my grandparents as a child, so I'm so excited my kids will have answers to all of those questions about their grandpa thanks to StoryWorth. I love that StoryWorth asks unique questions like, what's a small decision you made that ended up having a big impact on your life? And even allows you to make up some of your own questions. Things that maybe your loved one hasn't thought about in a while, but they have a story for that that you might not have ever heard before. With StoryWorth, I am giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com moms and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com moms to save $10 on your first purchase. I spent all of Thanksgiving watching the show Selling Sunset, which is just where people argue and I get to look at beautiful homes I'll never be able to afford. And while I'll never own a mansion in Calabasas, thanks to Hunter Douglas, I can still live well in comfort and style thanks to things like their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, as well as their incredible control systems. While we aren't celebrities, you can live like one thanks to Hunter Douglas. Their window systems offer superior insulation all while protecting your privacy inside. The windows at my house are older than I am, so they're really, really old, and the insulation is really, really terrible. With Hunter Douglas Shades, I could get superior insulation that could also help with my utility bills by keeping it cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter. And with their PowerView technology, which can be set up automatically to reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation anytime, day or night. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash moms today for your free style get smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash moms for your free design guide. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about the background of Stephen Marshall, the man who hunted down two registered sex offenders in Maine and shot them to death in their own homes. Right before we took the break, um, we were talking about some of the people that he had in his life that he knew, a friend of his and the friend's father, who were involved in cases that they were convicted of a sex crime. And that's kind of brings us up to speed with where we are now. So in the summer through the fall of 2002, Stephen moved to Phoenix to live with his half-sister, and he went to his senior year of high school there. In the spring through summer of 2003, Stephen visited his mom for the first time in four years. He also visited his dad, who had at this point moved to Colorado. In September of 2003, Stephen moved back to Nova Scotia to live with his mom, and he started attending a computer course. 
In December of that year, he tried to join the Canadian military, but due to his asthma, he was denied. He was really, really upset about this. He wrote an email to one of his friends, and he said that before he even moved up to Canada, he had been told and assured that he would be able to join the military and that his asthma would not be a problem. So he was really upset when he found out that that was the reason yeah. that he was denied. So just to give you an idea of the type of person that he was and kind of the short fuse that he had, this email where he was complaining about this and talking to his friend about being upset, um, at the end of this email, he wrote, quote, well, I got to get out of my ex house before the stepdad comes home and I have to beat him with bats and stuff. You know how it goes, end quote. Oof. Obviously, this is meant to be like a joking thing, but like what right. a weird way, what a weird way to joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in August 2004, Stephen saw a psychiatrist for his depression, and he went to just two sessions before canceling all of the others. In early 2005, Stephen got into an argument with his stepfather, and he ended up moving into a rooming house in Sydney, which is also in Nova Scotia. In April, um, a convicted pedophile named Francis Doyle was released from prison and moved into the same rooming house as Stephen. And Stephen later told his dad that this man tried to have some kind of sexual relationship with him. According to the police documents, quote, Stephen was upset that the man made a pass, but was even more upset that he was living next door and didn't know he was a pedophile, end quote. The next month, Stephen moved out of the rooming house and he moved in with some of his friends. In early 2006, people started noticing that Stephen really just was not acting like himself anymore. He had some kind of emotional crisis at work, and he fainted. And after this event, he went into a deep depression. And it was so much so that his mom was really worried about him because he was starting to have trouble concentrating, and he had developed this tremble. He would just be trembling all the time. Stephen and his mom actually met with a pastor, and Stephen became a Christian. And he seemed to kind of get his life on track from there. He started jogging, he quit smoking, and he really started planning an actual future. But on the other hand, he was still acting really differently. He still talked about his feelings towards pedophiles, and he told his mom, Margaret, that you know they were lowlifes and scums of the earth, and he still seemed really fixated on this. As of April 2006, Stephen was working as a dishwasher at a restaurant in Sydney. On April 11th, 2006, 20-year-old Stephen withdrew 500 Canadian dollars and emptied another count of 2,600 American dollars. On April 12th, he told his friends that he was living with that he was going to Cape Breton and he'd be back on the 15th. But really, he actually didn't go to Cape Breton. He went to his father Ralph's house in Holton, Maine. On his way there, Stephen purchased GPS software and something for a little over $1,000. His mom believes that this purchase was for a laptop. After leaving the store, Stephen was headed to his dad's place when his car started having trouble. So he stayed at a Sackville, New Brunswick motel for the night. Stephen called his roommate then and told him that he was in Baddock visiting his grandparents. So the next morning, April 13th, Stephen calls his dad and asks him to pick him up at the hotel. According to Ralph... Quote, the first thing Stephen wanted to do when he got to Holton was go shooting, end quote. So Stephen continued to ask his dad to take him shooting for the next two days. Ralph said no each time because the weather wasn't good for it. Instead of going to the range, though, Stephen spent a lot of time cleaning his dad's guns. Stephen then planned to move to Holton, so he and Ralph also spent a bunch of time looking for houses. 
At some point, Stephen looked at the main sex offender registry, which had the offender's pictures, addresses, and convictions. For whatever reason, he takes down the information of 34 out of the 2,200 offenders. Two of these 34 would become his victims. Stephen also looked at the National, New Hampshire, and Vermont sex offender registries. So as we said before, in 1996, the federal government started requiring authorities in each state to publicize the names and addresses of registered sex offenders. Each state is allowed to decide how much information they make public. Some states may only publicize information on the most dangerous offenders. Some states, like Maine, list every person convicted of a sexual offense, regardless if it's something as simple as urinating behind a building, which isn't that like lewd and lascivious or something like that? What is yeah, that? Yeah, I think there's there's lesser charges, but they still fall into the category of a sex crime. Right. Yeah. So there are no details on these crimes uh, on the list in Maine. Um, instead, there's just a list of convictions. In the early morning hours of April 16th, Stephen stole a Colt AR-15 and two handguns from his dad's gun safe. He also stole his dad's white truck and embarked on what he thought would be a lengthy vigilante murder spree of convicted sex offenders. His first stop was the Milo Main house of 57-year-old Joseph Gray. Joseph was born on May 4, 1948 and grew up in Maine. In 1992, he was found guilty in another state in Massachusetts of raping a child as well as indecent assault and battery on a person under the age of 14. We aren't going to go into details of what happened in his case. Um, We actually don't even have that information, did not look it up. But his wife, Janice, said that um, it was not what it sounded like, and he was a good man who had one bad accident. Take that for what you will. After Joseph was convicted of this crime, he met Janice, and she says that he was really upfront with her about his 1992 conviction. They got married sometime in 1996, and in 2004, they moved from Massachusetts to Maine and had just been living a regular life there until Stephen Marshall randomly showed up at 3 in the morning and shot Joseph to death in his own home. After shooting Joseph, Stephen then drove around contemplating his next move. He went by the homes of four other registered sex offenders before stopping at 24-year-old William Elliott's home in Corinth, Maine. The other four individuals were unharmed on this night, but William was shot to death just as Joseph had been several hours earlier. William's sex offense case was quite a bit different than Joseph Gray's. When William was 19 years old, he was arrested for sexual abuse of a minor. However, the minor in question was his girlfriend, who was two weeks shy of turning 16 when her father learned that the young couple were sexually active and he reported William to the police. William was sentenced to four months in jail because his girlfriend was 15 at the time of the offense, but had she been 16, there wouldn't have even been a crime committed. On the sex offender registry, none of this information was given next to William's name. It simply just said that he was convicted of sexual abuse of a minor. So anybody reading that can either think that it was a small child or it could have been the situation like we just discussed. It was a girlfriend with a boyfriend who happened to be over the age of 18. So William struggled immensely after being put on the sex offender registry. And according to his mom, he was really getting harassed from the day that he had to go on there. He um, started getting these obscene and threatening phone calls and people were saying that he was going to die and that he should die. Strangers would just come by his house and throw random things in his yard. And the harassment was just really so bad. William was just beside himself, miserable, didn't know what to do, how he was going to live like this. 
And we're going to get into the rest of this story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of wind down time at the end of the night. My kids have fried my brain and I'm not quite ready to go to sleep, but I'm also not going to run a marathon. I like listening to podcasts at night and the perfect accompaniment to listening to a podcast is playing Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a puzzle game that gets more challenging and fun over time. There's different levels that carry skills you've learned and obstacles you've faced with you as you go along. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so even after playing more than 2,100 levels, I still look forward to playing it every single day. I really love that it only takes a few minutes to play a level of Best Fiends, so I can sneak in a game while I'm waiting for my coffee to brew or waiting for my kid to find his shoes. Sometimes when I just need a break from writing the next episode, I just pick up my phone and play a few rounds and strategize how to complete the next ones. It's a great way to just clear my brain on days when I feel like I'm in a writing rut. And don't just take our word for it. Best Fiends has over 100 million downloads and is the five-star rated mobile puzzle game that's a must-play in my house. Download Best Fiends today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. My husband and I are celebrating 15 years of marriage next year, and if I could do it all over again, I would. But this time, I'd use Zola. Whatever kind of wedding you're planning, Zola.com is the one place to start. They've got your back for all of your wedding needs. That's why over a million couples have planned their weddings with Zola. Whether you're looking for your wedding venue or looking for a way to create an incredible gift registry, you can do it all with Zola. On Zola, you'll find everything you need, including help with creating stunning save-the-dates, invites, and even a matching wedding website. And weddings can get pricey, but planning your big day with Zola never is. Zola has things like a free wedding website, as well as your registry, which includes free shipping and returns. For my wedding, we registered at three different places, which just meant more work for me before and after the wedding. Enjoy your big day and let Zola take care of the rest. If you're planning your wedding, here's our tip. Start with Zola. Go to Zola.com slash moms today and use promo code SAVE50 for 50% off your save the dates. Zola is the one place to start for your wedding day. That's Zola.com slash moms code SAVE50. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. 
Don't wait. Sign up for Dash Pass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. Dash Pass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were discussing the two victims of Stephen Marshall, and it looked like he might be going on a killing spree. He has this information. He has the addresses of these other sex offenders, and he is seems to be going down this list. Who knows what kind of order he was going in, but he's obviously looking at this list. Realizing that he's finding these victims via the sex offender registry, the registry is temporarily taken down until Stephen could be found, which is really fast thinking, I think. Not that he couldn't, yeah, and he did already have this information, but it's like one thing they could do, you know, to try to stop anything else from happening. So at around 1 p.m., police found the truck that Stephen was driving. It was abandoned near a bus station in Bangor, Maine, and the truck was the AR-15. In the tank of a toilet at the bus station, police found ammunition. Police then found out that Stephen had bought a ticket to Boston and he was currently on the bus, so they notified Massachusetts police. At around 8 p.m., police surrounded the Greyhound bus while it was outside of the bus terminal in Boston. Officers boarded the bus and asked the driver to turn on the overhead lights. Stephen then shot himself in the head and the bullet exited the window. Oh my goodness. I Just imagine being on this bus. The lights come up, the police are here, and this is what happens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is so much, this is traumatic for everyone involved. So, luckily, no one's harmed with this shot. However, five people are splattered with blood. So, police find another gun, and this one is located on Stephen's person. With him, he has a backpack which had a laptop and personal papers, including his passport. There was really nothing in his backpack that was indicating why Stephen was heading to Boston. So police speak with Stephen's friends and family. They're trying to figure out exactly what Stephen's motive was. He's obviously looking at the sex offender registry, but is there something that started all of this? And so at first, it seemed likely that Stephen may have been the victim of sexual abuse, and that's why he was killing sex offenders. But his friends and family say that really wasn't the case at all. Friends and family were really shocked that Stephen had killed people. They said they never thought this quiet and reserved man could do this. Meanwhile, we have heard about his, you know, internet pages and stuff like that. So, you know, who knows what they knew at the time, but they didn't feel that, at least at the time. Stephen had really only shown violence this one time besides that AR-15 incident with, you know, his friend holding his other friend down on the ground, and that was whenever he threatened to kill his stepfather, Keith, after Keith criticized Stephen for losing this job at a call center. There was a former teacher that spoke out and described Stephen to the Globe and Mail as being pretty quiet around teachers. Another teacher said Stephen was a, quote, somewhat rebellious kid, end quote, who was smart, but, quote, just wanted to do what he wanted to do, end quote. Stephen's mother, Margaret, described her son as being a kind and gentle man. The police combed through Stephen's laptop and his belongings to see if there were any clues. 
They found that Stephen, in addition to looking at the sex offender registries, he also visited a website that gave information on how to plan and carry out a murder. So Stephen's personal website had no mention of any threats or any plans to carry out the spree, so he wasn't going online and writing about this. The police were able to track Stephen's movements with his GPS. When they looked through his belongings that were at his father's house, they found a camo backpack that had survival gear inside, as well as three books. They were The Art of War, SAS Survival Guide, and a copy of the Bible. The police found that Stephen and Ralph had exchanged multiple letters where Ralph was talking about his strong faith and how Stephen was destined for these great things. Uh, For example, one of the letters read, quote, Those who God would use, he refines in fire. You have great things standing before you, a chance to right many wrongs, end quote. This is a letter from his father. In the end, the police never did figure out what Stephen's actual motive was. A member of the Maine Computer Crimes Task Force said that he was looking for something that would establish his state of mind and why he would do this, and they found absolutely nothing. The director of the Maine Department of Public Safety said, quote, Sometimes there's no completely rational answer for a completely irrational act, end quote. After Stephen killed two sex offenders, there was a conversation about how states should take their sex registries offline. Maine decided not to change their website following the murders. So there's really two sides of this, uh, people that are for the public registry and then people that are against it. So for the people that are for it, they say that keeping this registry public, you know, there are some risks, but they are worth it for parents to be able to protect their children. Those that are against public registries say there's no evidence that these registries actually work. There's no evidence that they prevent crimes and they make it difficult for offenders to reintegrate into society. As of 2006, a study found that 5% of registered offenders were assaulted or injured due to their criminal history, 33% lost a job or home, had property damage, and or were threatened. An interesting note on this study is that some people that were on the list thought that the registry was a positive because it motivated them to not reoffend and also increase their honesty, which is kind of an interesting part yeah, of that, uh, yeah. that study. Those against registries say if we have to have public registries, it should be safe for violent offenders who are likely to reoffend. Like in the beginning of the story, as you were saying, this does have this weird Dexter feel to it where it's like this person who thinks they're doing, you know, a good deed. Right. They think they're doing a good deed. But ultimately, it's the whole reason that we have like a criminal justice system because exactly. one person should not be deciding this and as much fault and mistakes that can be made in that we do have something in place so we don't go around just killing you know whoever Each we other, think might right. be guilty yeah 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 um that can be very very dangerous i was not familiar with this story at all it's a uh, it does sound like I mean, honestly, it sounds like the whole Dexter series. You said you started yeah. watching the new one um, because I, it just seems so out there that somebody would just say, "I'm here's this list and I'm just going to take them out one by one. Like it just doesn't seem like a – if there's they, if they weren't able to find any other motivation, it's just such a, a wild thing to think like one day you wake up and are just like, I'm just going to take this list and yeah. do what I want with it. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. It really is a topic that, um, like I said in the beginning, I don't think a lot of people have really put a lot of thought into this particular subject, but um, it definitely made me kind of think I had never really considered before that there was two sides to like this, you know, two viewpoints to this. So it was definitely interesting to learn about both sides and kind of like what their reasons are for why they think it should 
you know, that public registry should be a thing or shouldn't be a thing. Right. Um, definitely fascinating, fascinating topic of discussion for sure. Yeah. Okay, Melissa, are we going to move on to last thing before we go? Yes. Oh, can I make a little announcement? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be great if you just said no. You're like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next week is our last week before a break. And so we we're thinking like we did last year, we did like worst gifts that we've gotten for holidays and stuff and found stuff on Etsy, all kinds of stuff. In the meantime, send us any if you have pictures of something that you received a crazy gift um, for the holidays, something you've bought somebody, something you've seen on the internet, email it to us at momsandmurder at gmail.com. And you might hear it talked about on next week's episode. Yeah, remember last year, or maybe it was the year before, we had somebody send in the creepy doll with her I face on it. I love it so much because you know what? Like, I th- I've literally thought about that doll the other day. Like, Me what too. a sweet thing it was for her dad to do for her. Like, it really, really, like, the it thought in that was so nice. It just doesn't convey, no. <laughs> can, you know, come out that way. But I like, I don't know. I like randomly think of that. So if you're listening, hi, I think of yeah. y'all all the time. Yes. Yes. We remember you for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you guys have any like terrible or funny or just like tragic, tragically hilarious um, gifts that you've had, let us know. Send yes. it in so we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for this week, we're going to move on to last thing before we go. We have said enough about how Christmas is around the corner. Have we not? Oh my gosh, the holidays are here. Hanukkah started. We know, we know, we know. (laughs) We know, we know. So um, I thought it would be fun to kind of talk about some other things in December, some other days, some other national, we don't call them holidays because they're not really holidays, but you know, there's a national day for everything. So there's a lot of national days in December and I thought it'd be fun to go through what some of them are. So Melissa. Yes. I will start us off okay. with what today, the day that we're recording, it's December 2nd, and today is also a very special day. It is Business of Popping Corn Day. Like popcorn? Yes. Today we celebrate the invention of the first large-scale commercial oil popcorn popper. Okay. <laughs> imagine imagine your life without that. You, The movies would never be the same. They wouldn't. But you know what? The older I get, the more I get more mad about like the kernels that get stuck in your gum or something. So like whenever you said it, I immediately like got really like kind of peeved about it. (laughs) Um, But you know what my favorite popcorn is? Tell me what yours is. But mine, I like the cheddar popcorn with the caramel, like the two. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's so good. That's all I care about. And that's like always around holiday time. I want to go get some holiday Mm -hmm. popcorn now. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, so good. I like that one. Okay, Mandy, I'm going to enact, like reenact this one, and you tell me if you know what this day is, okay? okay. So this is December 18th, and uh, let's go. Hi, this is Buddy. Smiling is my favorite. Are I feel like I'm elf? not nailing it. Yeah, answer the phone like Buddy the Elf day. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Like as soon as I started, I was like, I committed to this. I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. That's so funny. Okay. So Melissa. Yes. Tomorrow is a day that you may want to stay indoors, December the 3rd, because it is. Is it beat up a tall person day? I will be so mad. (laughs) It's national let's hug day. Oh, get me out of here. No, (laughs) not interested. 
Oh, why do we have to? No, that's not a thing. We shouldn't make it, that it, a thing. It, I'm telling you, it's a thing. It Let's was on the list it. of national days. <laughs> no, I veto that day. I'll be inside all day. All right, Mandy, I'm going to make you guess this one too. All right, ready? This is December 19th. Here we go. Mom, it's okay. Just give me my black shirt. I just want to just want to be alone and listen to my music. Emo day? Yes, national emo day. <laughs> but I forgot you day. couldn't see me. So I'm like doing my hair, like slicking it to the side. <laughs> By the tone of your voice, I could tell that there was um, movements going on. I know. On. I was rolling my eyes and everything. <laughs> yeah. You were really into it. Yeah. All right. So um, December 11th is... Noodle ring day. Do you know what noodle ring day is? What would a noodle ring? What does You're that mean taking you? me off with these. I don't. <laughs> do you like eat noodles that look like rings? I don't know enough about noodles. I hate them. I wish that's what it was. It's actually <gasps> it's actually a day that we recognize recipes where pasta is made into a round casserole. No. Uh, oh, that combines my two least favorite things, casseroles and noodles. Ew, oh. and why? Why? I don't understand it. And pasta does not belong in a casserole. It feels like this is a jello mold. That's what I'm thinking, like those old jello mold things. Oh, I feel a little sick. This is <laughs> like aspic is that what you're yes, thinking yes 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 oh, oh I hate awful it. okay that's december 11th though so all right mark, mark your calendar it's nothing to look forward to okay mandy december 22nd this is a day we celebrate you and people like you me people, yeah. short people yeah it is national short people day <laughs> december 22nd really december 22nd yep Awesome. I think it's, okay, sh- I have- oh, I think it's the shortest day of the year, isn't it? Isn't there some like oh, winter solstice that, or something? They did not do that. Ooh, they I think didn't it, do that. I think. I don't know they enough. They didn't do that I to I know us. about the days. Yeah, probably. They short person day on the shortest day of the year. That's terrible. I'm Possibly. Offended. Allegedly. I don't know. I might have made that up. <laughs> okay. I have one last one. Okay. Um, December the 16th mm-hmm. is Barn. Uh, sorry, Barbie and Barney Backlash Day. <laughs> <laughs> Like Barney the Dinosaur? Like Barbie the Dinosaur. And come on, Barbie, let's go party? Yeah, so it's literally a day to just hate on childhood things like that, like icons that we, I guess, grew up and hated after a while. Honestly, Mandy, I hated your first ones, but I really am into this last one. I am too. When I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, I can get I can get into that. <laughs> I hate so many things. <laughs> I know. This is perfect. Okay, well, let's end it with this one. December 26th. So this is the day after Christmas, and I'm going to do a reenactment of this one too. Gosh, I, I don't this. even like this. What is this? Ugh, I don't even, I don't have any toys to play with. Why'd you even get me this? I don't even like these things. I'm bored. National parents regret day <laughs> that's what it should be but it's also known as national whiners day oh no that's perfect Isn't right that the worst that is so the worst because that's exactly what happens the day after christmas i feel like everybody's just so overwhelmed with all the mm-hmm. things that they have and like my kids are always so cranky the day after christmas. i hate like, the day after christmas it's, it's like my awful. least favorite day of the year i know and everything's a mess everything's a disaster mm-hmm. you have so much to clean up and pick up and oh my gosh and then things are missing pieces and, you're having yes. to like email places <laughs> to see about getting parts and promising it'll be there and the batteries aren't there and somebody's broken something. I hate December 26th. (laughs) Almost as much as I hate that noodle circle day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm so mad about that. Noodle ring day. It almost sounds like Nuva ring, but that's a whole different thing. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, those are some fun days that are in December. There's a I found a whole long list that had a lot that I thought some of them were like really silly. Like I saw there was a I can't remember what day it was now, but I saw National Put on Your Own Shoes Day. I was like, oh, is that for the kids? That must be for the kids. Well, <laughs> either that or National Buy Somebody a Shoehorn Day. Right. <laughs> so all right, well that was it um, for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll be back um, same time next week wait i'm messing up the ending here we'll be back next week same time same place new story last story of the year very excited not Uh, i'm very excited that we have made it to the end of the year okay (laughs) well on that note have a great week everyone all right guys bye thanks so much for listening to the moms and murder podcast make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.